You're listening to the Truth and Boots podcast. Join me as we search the Bible for truth about our God, for hope to encourage us through hard trials and struggles, and for answers for anyone who questions our faith. The truth of God's Word is not fragile, impractical, and only used on special occasions like a pair of stiletto heels. God's Word, like a pair of sturdy boots, is meant to be put to work daily and is designed to protect us and help us through the mud, streams, and rocks of life. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today we are embarking on a new journey, a new study with my good friend here, Jamie Charles. She has been studying the book of Hebrews in her devotions for a while, and I invited her on to share with us some of what she's been learning. So I am super pumped. She's shared with me some tidbits already, and um, I'm super excited to learn more. So welcome, Jamie. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. We are sitting in my bedroom, and it's kind of weird to honestly be having this kind of conversation in my bedroom, but this is the joy of podcasting. That's right. I know some people do it in their closet. (laughs) Yes. My closet probably is too small for us, so that's why we're not in there. Uh, So tell us a little bit about yourself, Jamie. Yes. um, My name is Jamie Charles. I am a youth pastor's wife in Charlotte, North Carolina. My husband's been the youth pastor here at our church for the past three years. We have two children. Landon is almost three and Blair is almost one. She turns one next month. Um, so I'm a stay-at-home mom. That's what I do um, all day long. <laughs> Pretty important wonderful. job. Yeah, yeah, it's very important. Um, but a little bit of background on how I came to be so passionate about Bible study and about teaching it to other people. My background, um, I am a pastor's daughter and my dad preached expositorily every Sunday, so that was what I was exposed to. Week by week, going book by book, verse by verse, and that really was a solid foundation for me. I went to Christian school, youth group, Christian college, I even got my master's degree, Um, and I've had many opportunities from a young age to be able to teach, and that experience has helped to shape the way that I do Bible study, Um, everything from VBS in high school, teaching the threes and fours, and also just Sunday school, children's Sunday school, teen girls Bible study. Um, I had opportunities to teach and do a little counseling in the residence hall at my school. And I also joined a ministry of holding Bible studies at a detention center while I was in getting my master's degree. Intimidating. Oh, incredibly intimidating, but so formative for my teaching. You're not speaking to someone who is familiar with the theological language and the little Christian buzzwords that we use. So you have to strip down the truth to its core. And that is so valuable for a teacher. Uh-huh. But then also the interaction that I had with the ladies. Of course, I started off scared to death um and i walked in there and i realized that they were just like me and that experience breaking down those barriers the mental barriers that i had was very very valuable for my teaching and for my study as well preparing those lessons um, has been so valuable for the rest of my bible study experience Um, i also have a blog about a year ago, a little over a year ago, my sister 
had this crazy idea and I was like oh yeah that'd be a great idea and she's like no I really am serious <laughs> so <laughs> we started writing a blog on theology it's called Theology Hits Home and it's for women who want to go deeper in their study of theology and the study of God's word I don't know if anybody's reading it I am I'd, okay thank you so one person my, my mom my mom is reading it too so there's two people who are reading it. Um, but it's very it's valuable for us to develop that skill even if nobody's reading it and hopefully some people are hopefully it's been a blessing i know a few people are reading it so thank you jamie so tell me a bit more about how you got into hebrews as a study yeah so i hadn't really spent much time just soaking in one book i had definitely done the read through your bible in a year method several times and i realized that i wanted to go deeper um, but it was at a time in my life when i didn't feel like i could do any kind of study. Um, after my son was born, um, almost three years ago now, I had postpartum depression and just getting through one verse was um, a victory for me those days. And just being able to keep my mind focused on the word was very challenging. So I decided initially try to just, just get through, just read something, journal something, get through. But then when he was about six months old, I thought, you know what? I want to go deeper. Um, it actually was a great time. You understand with the newborn morning naps are yes. wonderful. And so I just decided during his morning nap, that's when I was going to study the word. So I picked Hebrews because it's comprehensive. I didn't feel like I had to neglect the rest of the Bible in order to study the book of Hebrews because the, the author pulls from everywhere, especially in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Every part is covered. So I thought that would be a good one to, to kind of give me depth and breadth. And initially, I didn't know how to go about this. And so I just said, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to break down the book because it's a very long book. I'm going to break it down into different sections. And every day I'm going to meditate on one verse or, or maybe just a sentence if it makes more sense to do it that way. I'm going to be reading it and hopefully memorizing it. That didn't entirely happen. <laughs> um, and then for the study part, really it was more just a meditation. I don't know if it's a, uh, what people would call an official Bible study. It was just, I'm going to soak in this verse today and really try to understand what it means. And so I would, as Gavin, it's nice to have a theologian husband. <laughs> um, and I had a couple commentaries, study Bible that I um, consulted sermons that I would listen to in the book of Hebrews, but for the most part, it was just me and typing out my thoughts. I would type two whole pages on a verse just, just to get it out of my head and, and to think through it. And that was a huge help with meditation. Yeah, I've heard that from a few different sources that writing out your, your thoughts and what you're studying is huge. And I used to write out like the big thought that I got from the passage. Yes sporadically. Yeah. I didn't do it as a regular practice. Um, but since I started doing that idea of as I go through just writing out verse by verse thoughts that come to my mind, mm -hmm. it has helped me understand passages so much better because yes. then you have this thought that you can then go back and say, oh, that connects here. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I think just getting it out of your brain helps you articulate it better. Yes. And focus yes. on what you're doing more. Yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> Your brain doesn't wander. As much. Yes, yes, this is true. <laughs> so 
beyond just what you've described, is, is there anything more specific you did in studying? Yes. I think this is more of a general, just how I view Bible study and the important points um, that need to be included. The first is reading and rereading and rereading. I would read each section that I was working on. I would read through the entire section every single day. Um, and that helped me keep the connection of the whole would not get so bogged down in individual words and individual verses, mm -hmm. but I, I could connect that verse I was going to be studying that day with where it fit in the context. So, so by section, do you mean like a group of 15 verses, half of a chapter, two chapters? So, yeah, good question. My study in Hebrews, I was trying to cover it in one year. And so I broke the book of Hebrews down into approximately one chapter but then I it it just that was a different part too I I wanted it to be my study and so I didn't even follow somebody else's outline of the book I read through the book several times all together to determine what are the major passages so some passages it maybe was 13 verses and some passages it was two and a half chapters it just w was whatever made more sense for the flow of the book and what point he was making at that moment okay the most important part of Bible study is asking questions, honestly. Um, being willing to ask hard questions of your Bible is a hurdle that a lot of people have to just get over. I think we have this fear that we are questioning God to question his word. But the ironic thing is it's actually the other way around. If we think that God's word is not able to stand up to our hard questions, that's when we're doubting it. Exactly. And so to come to the passage and just honestly say, that didn't make sense. How did that connect? Or why did he say that right here? Or why did he use that word? Um, what does that word mean? That's a great question to start you off on a study. But just ask, being willing to ask questions is a great way to start Bible study. Um, I already talked a little bit about keeping the whole context in mind, but that's really important. How does it fit into the broader context? And with the book of Hebrews specifically, but definitely with any part of the Bible, cross-references are really a helpful way to go deeper. Um, you can get Bibles that have cross-references listed in the, in the margins, in the middle column. And so if you're saying, um, maybe there's a quote, exact, an exact quote, where does this come from? Well, look at the cross-reference, go back to that passage, Look at where he's quoting from. And don't just study that verse. Study the whole passage that the quote comes from. Those are the most helpful things, especially in the book of Hebrews, because it's chock full of direct quotations. Uh -huh. <laughs> so you definitely need to have a familiarity with the passages that he's referencing. Um, and then record your thoughts. We've already talked about this. Just I type because that's faster for me and my hand gets tired writing. <laughs> um, but just it has to get from your brain out onto paper or digitally. Yes. And I the other thing I like about that is you can go back and do the study again and use your old notes as a starting point. It's true. I heard um, one preacher say when he was giving advice about Bible study, he was saying, write as if you're writing for someone else. And at first I thought, well, that's a little arrogant. Who else is going to read my writing? <laughs> but it actually, it helped me so that it wasn't just 
spilling my feelings or whatever. I had to try to keep it somewhat organized, somewhat poetic. There were some passages that I felt like this just deserves more time soaking in it and thinking about the poetry uh, of this passage. So those those type of things, it was a help to think, pretend like you're writing a Bible study, even if your kids are going to be the only people who ever see this. Yes. It, it helps you. Yes. And especially when you just said that, pretend like you're writing a Bible study, because teachers need to understand a concept so in depth yes. when they go to teach to someone else so that your kids or the ladies in your Bible study or whoever it is yes. ask you questions. You can have the answer right there. Yes. So yes. not to say you can't ever go look up an answer, but you need to know the material that well. Right. So it encourages you if you're trying to write your notes so that you want to go back and teach it to someone else, you have all the details right there to yes. be able to do so. Yes. Oh, that's definitely how I prepared for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good start on how you studied, but I know Hebrews is a daunting book. Um, some people may be floored even reading through it in, you know, the normal Bible through a year yes. passage. So tell us a bit about the overarching themes to make a little less daunting for us to listen to you teach. Yes, um, you are absolutely right. It is a daunting book. <laughs> and that's why I knew I needed time to soak in it. <laughs> I had I had hit it on my Bible reading plan and thought, mm, didn't get that. <laughs> um, this one's going to need a little bit more. So, um, it, it, but it is nice because Hebrews has a very easy theme. And I, this is not original with me. Uh, Jen Wilkin has a whole study and it's entitled Better. The theme of Hebrews is Christ is Better. And that is easy, um, but it is amazing how in-depth he goes proving that point. And specifically, he's proving it to his audience who are Jewish Christians. They are experiencing intensifying persecution because they have decided to follow Christ. So, of course, their Jewish brothers and sisters who do not believe in Christ hate this, and, and they're receiving increased persecution. So these people would have highly esteemed the Old Testament. Um, this is their God. Yahweh is their God. And so they they may still be attending the, the temple worship. They are, if they're not, they there's part of their heart that is still there. And that's their heritage. Um, and because the persecution that is coming against them is aimed at their faith in Christ as if they're being accused of rejecting Yahweh because of holding to Jesus, their temptation would be to pull away from Jesus to say, okay, maybe I need to back off on this whole Jesus stuff because that's what's, that's the, where the problem is. So the book of Hebrews is an appeal not to forsake Christ, an appeal to keep trusting Christ, clinging to Christ, coming to him for all of our needs, even though it's hard, and we don't really understand what this persecution is like, but 
he describes some of the persecution that they experienced. And it's really hard to imagine being able to stay faithful to Christ in that. So the book of Hebrews is a beautiful argument for why Christ is better and why it's going to be worth it to stick with Christ. So the writer of Hebrews makes this point that Jesus is better by pointing back to specific elements of the Old Testament system of worship that these people would have highly reverenced. And he makes a direct comparison between that element of the Jewish system and Jesus. And so, for instance, he talks about angels, Moses, Joshua, the Levitical priesthood, the Old Covenant as a whole. And those are massive concepts in the Jewish system. So it would seem like it would almost be offensive for him to come in and say, yeah, Jesus is better than that. But the way he does it is masterful because he does not downplay these elements. He actually elevates them and in so doing elevates Christ even higher, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, It's not much of a comparison if you're saying, well, he's better than that because that's awful. (laughs) But if he can raise your, your estimation of the thing being compared, then that means Christ is all that much better. So um, those are huge topics that are going to be covered later in the book. Um, And another thing is he uses the Old Testament. He references the Old Testament. He's quoting from them. Every one of his points, every one of his arguments, he supports from the Old Testament, which I think is awesome. So he's bringing in prophecy about Christ, but he's even just bringing in very foundational elements from the Psalms and from the Pentateuch that they would have reverenced, they would have um, held these in very high esteem. And he says, yeah, if you believe that, then you have to believe that Jesus is better. You have to believe that Jesus is the fulfillment of that. This is God's plan. So it's really cool how he how he ties it all in together. That that point right there is one that has always fascinated me about Hebrews. A lot of Christians like to part in the New Testament, mm-hmm. but all these truths you're going to be sharing have their foundation in the Old Testament. Yes. And the fact that each one of those points about Christ, Christ is better than the law, than Moses, than the angels, all of that is thoroughly taught in the Old Testament, like you were just saying. So it makes me appreciate as a a New Testament Christian, the Old Testament so much more. And and it's a big reason that we should not ignore it. Because if you don't understand those Old Testament ideas, you can't fully understand who Christ is. Right. It, It made me so excited for the next time that I was able to go back and read through the Old Testament. And it it was true. Last year, I did a re- reading through the old the whole Bible again, and everything connected to Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews was right there <laughs> with everything, but it gave it fresh light, and it really um, helped me to stay engaged through Exodus <laughs> um, a lot better. Oh, I bet. Um, so you referenced the writer of Hebrews a few times. Yeah. <laughs> Who wrote it? <laughs> Um, 
you know, I I don't know. And that sounds like a cop-out answer, but that's what everybody says. And so I'm not going to be the one person who says, I know exactly who wrote the book of Hebrews. Um, I know some people have given suggestions for who wrote it, but it's, the author is not named in the book. And it's really hard to tell based off of writing style and different things uh, who it is. Some people have suggested the Apostle Paul, but there are things in the book that would make you think, mm, would Paul really have said that? Um, and I don't want to go into all of those right now. So I don't know. That's what I say. But what I do know about this person, <laughs> oh, he's brilliant. <clears throat> he or she, I'm assuming it's a he in that in that context. I have heard some people suggest Priscilla, but I think that's kind of tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> um, this person is brilliant in his reasoning. This is a, a beautiful argument throughout but he's also fervent in his faith. And my favorite thing about this author is how he meditates. Um, I'm going to get into that a little bit more with some of the overarching themes of the book, but he was a master meditator. Another thing that's really neat, I used to think, how do people know when the book of the Bible was written? <laughs> if it doesn't say, oh, this was written in AD 63 or whatever. Um, how, do you, how do you pick that out? The book of Hebrews, it's really neat. We don't know exactly when, but it was probably before AD 70 because that's when the temple was destroyed. Uh -huh. But all the references that he makes to the priests and their priestly duties, they're all in the present tense as if they are currently going on. So that gives us a, a little bit of an indication. And the first time that I heard that, I think I read it in a commentary, I was like, oh, duh. <laughs> but anyway, I thought that was kind of an interesting tidbit. Um, so I think if we want to look into why the book was written, just going through our little who, when, where, why stuff. Yeah. I also don't know where. I, I really don't know where. <laughs> but um, it is obvious that the author is urgent to persuade Jewish Christians to hold on to their faith in Jesus and not to fall back into reliance on the old covenant um, and that system of relating to God. So because of that, there are numerous passionate warning passages that are showing the readers um, both the dangerous process of apostasy. What does it look like for someone to drift away from Christ? And then also the ultimate result of that apostasy. So when you hear that, it sounds like, oh, then this must be, have a really harsh tone. Um, and some of the passages do, just to be honest. But the book as a whole does not. The book as a whole is triumphant and confident and um, warm. It's You can tell that whoever wrote it has a pastor's heart for these people. And he is really, really caring for their hearts and their souls. So what are some overarching themes of the book of Hebrews? Um, there are a few. These are not um, comprehensive by any means. These are just things that jumped out to me. One, obviously, is comparison. If the theme of the book is Christ is better, then you uh -huh. would expect there to be a lot of comparison words, and there are. Uh, the word better appears 11 times, either in reference to Christ himself or to a benefit that he provides. 11 times throughout the whole book. Uh, the word more appears 14 times used in, in a comparison. So that is a, a very obvious theme. Another one, like I said before, was meditation. This was one of the most exciting things about the book to me. Because he is 
referencing the Old Testament so much and quoting from the Old Testament so much, you realize that he is soaked in God's word. Mm -hmm. And the way that he uses it, he's not just proof texting. It, it spills out of him. He can't help but speak Bible. And you can tell, especially his passage on Melchizedek, he, he's got a few verses in Genesis and one verse in Psalms. And he, he goes on and on and on about Melchizedek. You know, most of us, when we read, we skip right over it. Like it doesn't even, it's like, oh, okay, some guy, and I can't pronounce that. Okay. But he, you can tell he has soaked in this concept until it has transformed him and the way that he views Christ. So I learned a lot just about the process of meditation through reading the book of Hebrews. Another big theme is Psalm 110. There are a lot of verses that are quoted from the Old Testament, but Psalm 110, um, he comes back to it again and again and again, specifically verses 1 and 4. So in verse 1, Psalm 110, verse 1 says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. That is directly quoted five times, or, or, or snippet from that verse. And then verse four is the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And that is referenced at least 17 times in the book. <laughs> so the concept of Jesus or the Messiah ruling, and then the concept of the Messiah being a priest, mm -hmm. are you could almost use those as two big categories for the whole book of Hebrews. Um, and then just on a more personal level, he talks about drawing near. And I, I, in my study, I pulled out the specific times that he told us to draw near to Christ. And it is just, it's so beautiful. It's so devotional. And, you know, it's one thing to just tell somebody that with no context, but where he places it in the book is crucial. And... So we're going to get into that as we explore through um, more specifically. And then along with that is just a confidence in Christ. He uses the words confidence, boast, hope, assurance, all these uh, words to show what our attitude toward Christ should be. Wow, that is a lot of stuff to pack into one book, <laughs> which is probably why so many people think it is so daunting. But I know you've, like I said, shared with me some snippets on, on your meditation, how Christ is better. So I am, I'm excited to see <laughs> what else I learned from you in this um, series. We have time for a little bit of um, a snippet to wet your taste buds for the future episodes. So give us a little bit more introduction, Jimmy. All right. Well, the, the author of Hebrews gives us a great introduction in his prologue to the book. Um, this is a letter, but it's a different style than any of the other epistles that we have in the New Testament. Usually you think of the author giving himself, his name, who he's writing to, a little bit of a greeting, and Paul follows this, you know, consistently, even the other New Testament authors. Um, so this book is different from the very beginning. And it's more of it's more is more than just you know a personal chat he's he you can tell he does have a personal relationship with these people but mm -hmm. 
this is kind of like a written sermon, really. Um, it's beautiful. It's masterful. This this prologue is a poem. I don't know. I don't know anything about official poetry, <laughs> but it's beautiful. Um, so I'm just going to read through it, and then we'll quickly note some of the ways that he uses these four verses to introduce the rest of the book. So Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 through 4. Long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So in this introduction, he introduces some of the major themes of the book. He uses the word superior in that last, in verse 4, so that is that comparison idea already. Um, he talks about Psalm 110, verse 1. He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. He talks about Psalm 110, verse 4. After making purification for sins, that's our first reference to the priesthood of Christ. Christ was appointed. Um, this idea comes up later in reference to Christ's priesthood, but uh, it Right off the bat, he's emphasizing the role of God the Father and his design from the beginning. Um, so this is, Jesus is not separate from Yahweh, who is the designer of the universe and of history. So the idea of Jesus is not plugged in, but it was woven throughout that this Messiah would come and it was fulfilled in Jesus. So some of the purposes of his prologue, um, he is Christ is the fulfillment of God's speech to mankind and not a deviation from it. So he references that God spoke through the prophets, but that, but the idea of Christ's coming um, does not contradict God's former speech. It actually fulfills it. That's why he draws from the Old Testament so heavily. He is not contradicting what was revealed through the prophets. Christ is fulfilling those things. And he is the more direct speech from God. He, he is God himself. He is the word. Um, also, Christ's offices were initiated by the Father. So in this book, we'll see all three, the prophet, priest, and king idea come up. And Christ is fully God. This is, a, this is an interesting one. You think from this passage that we just read, he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. That is a lofty view of Christ. And he has to set that foundation because later on in the book, he needs to make a very strong argument for the true humanity of Christ. So you might misinterpret that emphasis on Christ's humanity as saying, oh, so maybe the author doesn't fully believe in the deity of Christ. So he sets the stage from the beginning. This is who we're talking about. This is kind of like the trump card. <laughs> He's saying like, I could have just said these four verses and been done with it. Um, Christ is better. Boom. But but he doesn't. Graciously, he, he works in what specific doubts we may have 
and um, speaks to how Christ is better in those ways. Um, just a few phrases that pop out to me when I'm looking through this. He talks about our fathers. God spoke to our fathers. So that's another little tidbit for how, how Bible scholars um, figure out who the recipients of the book are to. That's why we assume that it's Jewish Christians. Um, also, I don't know how far to take this one. This is like literally just my own trying to meditate on this passage, but the fact that God spoke through the Son, He has spoken to us by His Son, made me think of John 1, where Jesus is the Word, right? And so then later um, He says in verse 2, through Jesus, he created the world. And that makes me think of Genesis 1, where he says that God spoke. God said, let there be light. God said, so it was the word of God. And actually, later in the book of Hebrews, he's going to say that specifically in chapter 11, that by faith we understand that the worlds were created by the word of God. So I don't know how far to take that one, but I think it's a pretty cool connection. <laughs> um then the next one, oh, I already mentioned this Psalm 110, but here he gets up right off the bat. He's talking about the Psalm 1 connection, Psalm 110 connections. So he's going to flesh those out in much more detail later on in the book. So I don't have time today. We're not going to get into any of the discussion on angels. That's going to be for the next study. But he's, he introduces it in this prologue that... His first superior, his first comparison, is going to be with Christ and the angels. As we wrap up this prologue, I know that was a lot to fit into but just a short amount of time, but the author is beginning the book, like I said, with the ultimate trump card. Christ is better because he is God. And we have to keep that in our minds as we're studying more in-depth into the humanity of Christ. So as he's making these comparisons throughout the rest of the book, we can in our minds tie in this introduction and, and keep it more as a cohesive whole. So um, speaking of the next few lessons, this is an overview of, of the way that I'm going to handle the book of Hebrews. We're going to talk about Christ is better than the angels. He has a better ministry than Moses. He has a better priesthood than the Levitical priests. He has the ministry of a better covenant than the old covenant. Because Christ is better, we must have faith. So this gets into the application part of the book at the end of the book. And then just the closing exhortations about what our faith in Christ will look like. So it's there's going to be a lot of deep stuff at the beginning. And then it is extremely practical and devotional at the end of the book and steps on your toes a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that uh, with a lot of the New Testament books, you, you get the really deep, mm -hmm. heavy stuff at the beginning saying, okay, this is what I'm teaching you and this is why you should be doing this stuff later yes. here. Yes. So yeah. step on our toes all you want with the truth yes. of God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Jamie has 
created a Bible study plan that you can go through as she teaches this. So if, if it's a book that you say, hey, let me read along with you guys as you um, go through this series, go to the truthandboots.com and there's a, um, a link there that you can just see the short download for week by week, what to read, what chapters to read. So I encourage you to do that if you're looking for something new to do in your devotions. But I'm, I'm excited. This is one of the books in the New Testament that I have spent some time studying and memorizing, mm -hmm. but having you teach through it and bring back all these concepts that I've memorized yeah. back in my head, linking them together for me, I, yes. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, well, I am too. I'm very excited. <laughs> I hope it's helpful. Yes. Well, thank you for coming and being with me today, Jamie. Thank you for having me. Um, and we'll get back with you guys next week.